Hello, you guys. Welcome to the show. Lauren Francois here. And do I have a treat for you today? Oh, I am so excited. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. We have a guest interview with the fabulous Jessica Barnock. Jessica lives for the quiet moments in life. She fully embraces the concept of slow living. Yes, you heard that slow living, not only in her everyday, but in her business and her marketing. She's the founder of The Quiet Marketing Co. And Jessica believes that everything we want in life happens in the moments of stillness. Whether that is peace in the evenings or more money in your account, it all starts with the intention of quiet. And I know when I first stumbled across Jessica, she was such a breath of fresh air. And I know that's what this episode is going to be for you, especially if you're a mom who has a career or is running her own business. The way that Jessica approaches life, approaches business, approaches marketing is so opposite of the very masculine society that we live in. And it just feels incredible. It feels absolutely incredible. Your mind is about to be blown. Again, I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. So we are going to dive right in. But before we do so, I just want to mention in the episode, Jessica talks about her two daughters and how her two daughters received a very, very serious health diagnosis when they were younger. And I want to just give you guys a little bit of an update. Jessica let me know that her daughters are doing great. There have been some major advances in medication and treatment for the particular diagnosis that they received. And they are currently set to live very long, healthy, and prosperous lives. So I wanted to make sure that I let you guys know that because she talks about their diagnosis and then we don't really talk about it much after that. And I didn't want to leave you guys hanging wondering, oh my gosh, what is going on with her daughters? So now that I've updated you on that, let's dive right into this magnificent interview. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. You're here because you're a high-achieving woman that wants it all. The success, wealth, time freedom, and genuine joy in your life. Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm here to tell you, you can. You can have it all. But what is true wealth? It's not just money and achievements because success without happiness and fulfillment isn't success at all. Here, we're going to have conversations about creating a beautiful life alongside the success that you're striving for. If you want to create long-lasting success that's fully in alignment with the life you desire to live by working less, making more, and stepping into the version of yourself you've always wanted to be, then you're in the right place. Let's roll into today's episode. Hello, 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 gorgeous ladies, and let's dive right into this incredible guest interview. I have Jessica Barnuck with me today, and before I welcome Jessica on, I just have to tell you guys this really funny story about asking her to be on this podcast because... When I asked her, she even chuckled about this. I actually, I don't know how I found Jessica on Instagram. I stumbled upon her profile at some point 
last year. And at that point, her Instagram handle was all about slow living and it was her name. And I remembered her name and I loved the content that she was putting out and the things she was talking about. And so when I relaunched this podcast at the beginning of the year, I thought to myself, I really want to have Jessica on the podcast because her message just aligns so well with creating true wealth and everything that I really talk about. And I went to try to find her on Instagram and I could not find her. I was like, I swear this is her name, but I had done a social media clearing out and I could not find her. And I thought I was going crazy for weeks, literally. And so when I, so I ended up finally finding her. I think I found Jessica on Facebook. And then I saw that she had changed the name of her, of what she was doing. And so then I was able to look that name on up on Instagram and boom, she popped up. So when I messaged her, I was like, I don't mean to sound creepy, but I have been looking for you for weeks. And I was just being very real and very authentic. And it was the truth. And she, she laughed and she was like, that is really, really funny. But I just want to use that as a reminder to you guys that there's always people watching. There are always people watching. There are always people taking in what you're doing. A lot of time, invisibly, you don't know they're there. But this was just an instance where I was there and I loved what she was talking about. And then I loved it so much that I kind of brought out my detective hat to really figure out where she went. So Jessica, welcome to the show. I am beyond excited to have you here. I'm so excited to meet my stalker. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and and when I sent you this that message, I really was like, this sounds so terrible. But um, I, I really was. You changed the name of your Instagram. You started a new Instagram profile. It wasn't your name. And so it was one of those things where I was like, what happened to her? <laughs> I went dark. I went dark. I changed it all up. I, I decided to get a little bit more focused and become a little more quiet. So I found you and I am so, so excited to have you here to be talking about the things we're going to talk about today. This is something that I have been feeling deeply over the last really like couple of years. And I know this is something that you you obviously, your entire business really stems around this idea of slow living and quiet marketing. So I'd love to really just start with you sharing your story because I know you've been in entrepreneurship for 20 years and I'd love to hear kind of how you got started and how you came to really embrace slow living and dive into what you call quiet marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, well, I became an entrepreneur just out of need. I, I, my daughter, my first daughter was born and I didn't want to go back to work. I put her in daycare for one day. And I said to my husband, I'm never doing that again. And the next day I quit my job, but we still needed money. And so I had to scramble and figure out what I was good at that I could monetize. So I became at that time, 20 years ago, I became a photographer and I spent, you know, years building this photography business and it was about five years into my entrepreneurship journey that the universe sort of slapped me upside the head and, and forced me into this way of life that I now teach. 
So in the span of three months, I received three phone calls that completely altered the way my husband and I live our lives and move forward with every single thing we do. So phone call number one came in 2007, and I had just renovated and outfitted a brand new portrait studio. My business was booming, and I had moved in. And six days after I moved in, my my landlord called me and said, Jess, I'm so sorry, but the studio burned down. The whole building is gone. And so in the blink of an eye, I lost my entire business to a fire. And so if that wasn't enough to, you know, derail a woman, seven days after that phone call, I received phone call number two, which was my two-year-old daughter's, uh, my youngest daughter, her doctor called and said, I'm so sorry, but your daughter has been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, which is or it was at that time terminal. And on that phone call, she was telling me that her life expectancy was, you know, 15 to 22 and that we had this really devastating diagnosis. That was phone call number two. And, you know, that in and of itself is enough to derail any mother or any woman. Right. But the universe was not done because two months after that second phone call, We received the third phone call telling us that our five-year-old daughter was also diagnosed with this terminal cystic fibrosis. And so in the span of 90 days, I learned that I had lost my business and I was going to outlive not one, but both of my daughters. And so you can imagine that that sends a woman into sort of a redesign of everything. It's like the universe saying, okay, it's time to buckle up and think about things. And so my husband and I spent a few years really immersed in the, you know, currency of time, really figuring out, okay, we've only got a little bit of time with our daughters. How are we going to navigate this? How do we need to change? What needs to shift our focus? Where do we need to recalibrate so that we maximize what we have with these beautiful girls? And so that's, that really was the catalyst for everything I teach and live today. We intentionally slowed down. We intentionally pulled out things of our life that didn't matter. We were not willing to trade time for the rat race. And we were not willing to waste time immersed in something that didn't really matter in the long run. Wow. I am speechless. So you guys, I did not know Jessica's story until this moment, as you are all hearing it too. And... I can't even imagine going through what you went through. I have two children also. They're four and six. So just a little bit older than the ages your girls were at when you received those phone calls. But that is every parent's nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. Every parent's nightmare. And along with that, losing your business, I can't, I cannot even imagine. However, like you said, it really is that moment where you decide how am I going to live? How am I going to spend my time? And unfortunately, I think a lot of us, most of us don't get those moments, right? We don't get those big jolts where we have to make that choice. And so then we do end up in that rat race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of people. So one of the things that um, if you if you talk to anybody who knows me, they will say, that I'm a very unbusy person, that our life is very unhurried. And that's by design, right? We've designed our lives so that you will never hear us say we don't have time because time is the currency that we live by. And if something is going to take time away from the things that matter to us, 
we say no. And so that's whether that's in my business or in my personal life, we just are very unbusy and we do that with such intention. And I think a lot of people really are afraid to de-glamorize this idea of being busy. They're so just enamored with this idea of being busy and being needed and being you know, desired to be in all these places that they don't realize how much it's actually harming the life they're living. Yes. And time is the most valuable currency. You know, I talk a lot about how there are different currencies. You know, money is one currency. Time is another currency. And I would bet that pretty much every single one of you listening would choose time over money. But the cool thing is, we get to have both. It's not an either or. I truly believe in the both and. And I know, Jessica, you have lived in the both and and really creating the kind of business and the kind of life that you desire while also creating wealth for yourself and your family. And I think, you know, one of the fears around letting go of the busyness for a lot of women is sometimes actually the silence, right? The silence, the stillness. We really have to sit with ourselves in those moments, every part of ourselves and really process and and look at things. And sometimes that can be really uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, so the good news about the silence is that, you know, from the stillness comes clarity. And the number one thing and the, the the most effective tactic you can use in your marketing and your business is clarity, knowing exactly what you're doing and who you're talking to and what you're offering. But that clarity cannot come unless you get still, unless you stop to think and pause and allow your intuition to kind of pop in a little bit. You know, most people are really busy and they can't hear those clear thoughts. They can't hear that a path of least resistance. And I use that a lot in my business. I talk about marketing that is surrounding the path of least resistance. We're so attracted to the squirrels, right? We want to follow these squirrels all over the place, but there's a very direct path from where you are to where you want to be. And you cannot see it unless you stop, unless you get still. And it's a really scary thing to do to slow down so that you can speed up, but it's honestly, the most powerful thing you can do for your business, for your connection to your clients, and also to amplify your revenue. So one of the things that I talk about all the time is how our thoughts and our beliefs create a reality. And so we, I've said before, we actually should be planning time within our schedules to sit and think, <laughs> which is, is in alignment with what you're talking about, you know, giving ourselves that time and space to actually think and to, to gain that clarity that you're talking about that we need in order to really move forward in this way. So before we dive into that, let's kind of backtrack. Because I would love to hear what your definition of slow living actually is. Yeah. So slow living can be boiled down to one word. It's the word intention. It's intentionally planning your day, intentionally or intentionally planning that breath that you're taking, intentionally checking in with yourself to say, is this good for me or is this bad for me? 
Slow living is all about infusing intention into every single piece of your life, your time, your energy, the relationships you have, the things you say yes to, your business, your marketing, that email you're going to send, intentionally asking yourself, am I in a good enough mood to send this email so it's received well? You know, because a lot of times people will, they'll create content or they'll send an email or they'll make a video and they're in a really bad mood when they do it. And that mood translates through the content. So in slow living is all, all encompassed in the word intention, being intentional about every single thing you do, the money you spend, the marketing you do, the things you say, the people you surround yourself with, being willing enough and able enough to look at that and dissect it and say, okay, what's not working and what can I remove? Okay. So if someone is listening and they're sitting here thinking, okay, I need to be more intentional. How does one go about being more intentional? (laughs) Yeah. So the easiest way is to think about whatever piece of your life you're thinking about. And the way I do this and and the way I did this all those years ago was I sat down at my kitchen table and I had a big piece of like butcher block paper and I made squares all over the paper. And in each square, I put a piece of my life. So say fitness and spirituality or my relationship with my husband. And you draw a line down the middle of a square. On the left side, you put how things are today. And then on the right side, you put how things how you want them to be. What's the optimal picture of how you want them to be? And you look at what needs to change. So for example, when my daughters were diagnosed and we went through this whole thing, I put, you know, parenting in a box and with a line down the middle on the left side, I, I wrote, you know, right now we're rushing home from work. We're rushing to make dinner. We're rushing through bedtime. We're, we're in this rat race of trying to get it all done and be the good parents and be the good employees and be this all these things. And what I would really like is time to leisurely read a book from my daughter's time to spend 90 minutes making dinner. I would like to sit down to dinner every single night. I would like to do all these things. And you can see the disconnect when you actually look at it on paper, you can see that huge disconnect between where you are and where you want to be with that little piece of your life. And so you just start to make small changes. So my husband and I, the first thing we did was we made family dinner at night a non-negotiable. Every single night, we sat down to dinner at 6 o'clock. Okay, you guys. Jessica, this is so aligned with the podcast program that I actually just wrapped up. And we really dove into a lot of the things that Jessica is talking about, which is number one, being clear on the vision. You have to have clarity on what it is that you ultimately desire. And so this process that she's outlining is really a process for creating clarity. What is the desired reality? That's what goes on one side of the paper. What is the identity of the version of you who behaves in that way, who is living that desired reality? And then where are the gaps? So when we find the gaps, we can then start to outline the steps to, like you said, implement to kind of to really get us to where we desire to be. Does that does that sound right? (laughs) Did I get that right? Exactly. That's absolutely accurate. You have to know where you're going before you can take steps to get there. So what are the slow living tactics that everyone should implement? Well, there's three really that I always recommend for anybody to start with. There's a million slow living tactics that you can 
practice. But these three are going to set anybody up on that path to slowing down. And the first one you've already talked about, it's something I call white space. It's being intentional about time blocking 20 minutes, a couple times a day to just sit, to just sit without your phone, without any noise, just by yourself and just sit there. Let yourself meditate. You can read a book. You can do, you know, anything you want that's non-technology based. But white space is one of the most important tactics to slowing down. It sort of starts to regulate your nervous system. It allows your body to decompress. You can let go of any anxiety that you've picked up in the past couple of hours. White space is something that I personally incorporate four times during my working day. I do two 20-minute blocks in the morning and two 20-minute blocks in the afternoon where I turn off my phone, I silence notifications, I grab my dog and I just sit in this chair in my office and I either read a book or I'll journal or I'll just sit there and listen to, to you know meditation music. But giving yourself that space to decompress is the first step to allowing yourself to have that permission to slow down. And it's really hard at first to do that. You feel like, oh my gosh, I'm just sitting here. And then after a while, you end up really looking forward to that 20 minutes. You're like, okay, I have 30 more minutes to my white space. (laughs) And then you can jump into it because it becomes something your body craves is that stillness. And I will tell you the best ideas come in that 20 minute block, the best ideas. So that's number one. Okay. So let's talk about this for a second because I know that I was that person who never stopped. And I I actually started working with a coach at the beginning of 2020. And she gave me basically this assignment that you're talking about. She said, Lauren, I want you to just sit for 15 minutes and do nothing. And I just want you to sit there. And she was like, just notice what comes up. And then after you're done. I want you to journal about it. And it was the most uncomfortable thing to do. And I feel like that is very common for us very driven, entrepreneurial, type A women. We're so used to being in that very masculine energy of go, 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 productivity, achievement. We we tie our worthiness into achievement and success and getting things done and checking things off the to-do list that this idea of just sitting feels so foreign. It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean just sit there? Yeah, no, we're so ingrained in the hustle culture. We're told that um, success comes from hard work. And the harder you work, the more you work, the more success you'll have. And in my experience with my business, that it's exactly the opposite. The more I sit, the more clear I get, the more I can hear my intuition, the more I tap into that path of least resistance. So if, if there's a woman listening and she's like, this sounds great. My schedule is so full. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't have 20 minutes to sit. What would you say to her? I would say we need to move on to slow living tactic number two. Perfect. <laughs> Which is setting phone boundaries. So I've worked with, in my career, I've worked with over 5,400 coaches and entrepreneurs. And out of all of those women, they were almost all women, out of all those women, all of them have a doom scroll. They've got time in their day where they pick up their phone and they just scroll. They 
look at Instagram, they look at TikTok, they look at Facebook. And a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in this this little uh, trap of, well, I'm just doing research for my marketing. I'm just doing research for my social media. I'm looking to see what other people are doing. But it ends up taking hours of your day or too much time. Everybody has the doom scroll. And so that's one way you can find more space for white space is by setting better phone boundaries. So what that looks like for entrepreneurs and regular people alike is not picking up your phone before 9am. Like most people, their phone is the first thing they do in the morning. They wake up, they look at their phone, they look at their phone right up until they go to sleep. And all of that is so bad for your nervous system. Because when you wake up in the morning, you're sort of in this amazing, like, I'm so connected to myself space. And if you immediately disrupt that space with looking at your phone text, you immediately welcome in the stress and the anxiety and you shut down that intuition. Same thing at night. When you look at your phone right up until you go to sleep, first of all, the blue light is going to disrupt your sleep, but you're having, you have all this information coming into your brain from whatever you're looking at on your phone that it ends up never letting your nervous system calm down. And so my phone boundaries are, I don't look at my phone until 9am and I stop my phone at 7pm. I give myself time in the evenings to not be on technology. And so that is when we can work in white space by setting better phone boundaries. Stop looking at your phone, turn it off and instead just sit there with a journal. Okay. I am so glad you said the word boundaries because I had actually written down that word <laughs> before you said it. I was like, I want to talk to Jessica about boundaries. So mm -hmm. the thing about the phone too is that so often we're doing all of this unconsciously, right? Like it is an, a habit that is so deeply ingrained in us at this point that we don't realize necessarily that we're actually doing it or how much time we're doing it. And one of the things that I do, because I feel like I've gotten a lot better at this, but there's still a lot of room for improvement, is I notice when I scroll. And it's usually when I'm looking for a break from my work or I'm tired, or I there's a certain time of the month that I tend to scroll more that I've noticed. Mm -hmm. And one thing I'll do is if I catch myself actually doing it, I say out loud, what are you doing? <laughs> like It's like that verbalization that creates the awareness that stops the pattern. Mm -hmm. So I always talk about awareness is the first step. Like we can't change what we're not consciously aware of. And so one thing I would highly suggest you all do is number one, you can look at your screen time on your phone. At least if you have an Apple, an iPhone, it tracks your screen time. And so you can look at how much time am I actually spending on these apps? It'll break it down for you. And you're probably going to be shocked at how much time you're actually spending on those apps. Number two, you can actually set time limits. So I recently went in and set time limits for certain apps where it notifies me when I've reached that limit. And then, Jessica, I love your your tip of not picking up your phone until 9 a.m. and then putting it down at 7 p.m. because 
if you guys look at how much time you're actually spending specifically on social media, if you eliminate a lot of that, that's where your time is. Like Jessica's saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So people are, it's such a habit. You're absolutely correct. So one of the things I always point out to people is when you're driving in your car and you get stuck at like one of those really long red lights, like we, we all have those red lights that sometimes feel like they take five minutes. What do people do? They pick up their phone. They scroll at red lights. That's how habitual it is. And so it's something that's just become like so ingrained in us. Like when we open our phones, our thumbs typically will make the same movement. We open the same apps in the same order. And if you move your apps around on your phone, the next time you go to your phone, you're going to be like, oh, it's not there anymore. That opened the wrong app. You realize how habitual it is to click on the Instagram, click on the TikTok, click on this. It's such a habit. And so we have to really be aware. And so one of the things I do and, and that I teach my clients to do is don't open your phone unless you can verbalize why you're opening it. So a lot of people just open their phone because it's habit. But if you stop, like you said, and become really aware of, okay, why am I going on Instagram right now? I'm going to make the post about my business and then I'm going to leave. Why am I opening TikTok right now? I'm going to go there make a video and leave. Like you have to verbalize what you're specifically doing because marketing, one of the excuses I hear from my clients is, oh, but I have to be on social media for my business. You do not need to be on social media for more than 10 minutes a day for your business. You have to go on, make the post, write the caption and leave. Go on, record the video, do whatever you're going to do and leave. It does not take three, four, five hours a day of doom scrolling for you to create content. So it's really that awareness of, okay, why am I doing this? Am I opening Instagram because I'm bored? Yes. Okay, we'll go do something else. <laughs> and it's sort of like checking in with yourself. That's where this slowing down comes in. It's being intentional about why am I going on social media? Why am I opening Instagram? Why am I looking at Facebook? And finding those pockets of time where you would just lose it. You would just become unconsciously lost to that time because it's such a habit. So you mentioned 10 minutes on Instagram. I saw you talk about this on your social media that you really only spend 10 minutes a day on Instagram. Can you just quick walk us through how you have made that possible? Like a Cliff Notes version? <laughs> Yeah. So I actually probably spend less. Um, I plan. So every single Monday I, I time block for myself. So Mondays are my marketing day. Tuesdays are admin day. Wednesday and Thursdays are days I take clients like client calls and things like this. And um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I don't work. So every single Monday I sit down and I plan my content for the week and I pre-plan it. I literally will make everything, write the captions, record everything. It's all pre-planned. So then each day I open Instagram, I post, actually, I don't even open Instagram to post because now you can schedule your posts within Instagram themselves. So I will schedule everything on Monday and it just automatically posts. And I open Instagram once or twice a day to respond to comments. That's about all I do. And maybe I'll make some stories. If I remember to make stories, I'll make some stories, but I will say my business is quiet, right? So it, the the way I run my business and the way I've set up my marketing, it doesn't require a huge social media presence to get clients because of the way I've structured it. And because of the way I've set boundaries around my time and I've, I've structured my whole funnel and all of these things, I really don't need to use social media to get clients. I really use social media so that when people find me in other places, 
they have something to see when they stalk me. <laughs> <laughs> like me. <laughs> yes. In a good way, right? In a good in way. The let's best hope. possible way. <laughs> okay. So let's dive into what is the third tactic that everyone should implement for slow living? Yeah. So that's time boundaries. Saying no to things that are not aligned with where you want to go. So when this is really being clear about where you are today and where you want to be with regards to whatever's in front of you and asking yourself, okay, is saying yes to this thing going to get me closer to what I want with this regarding this area of my life? Or is it me saying yes, just because I feel guilty or because I should, or because someone else expects me to. And it's really being brave enough and courageous enough to say no to things that either don't move you forward on your goals or deepen a relationship with someone that matters. So what would you say to all of the people pleasers out there who saying no is like the most terrifying thing to them? It is. I would, I mean, that's the personal work, right? We have to identify why am I so afraid of saying no to this person? What am I afraid is going to happen? And, you know, I, I people please too, for the ones that I love and I'm really connected to there's, you know, we all have those people in our lives that if we didn't have them, we'd be broken. Those are the people I always say yes to, because it deepens my relationship with them to say yes to them. But if you're just saying yes to, you know, keep the PTA happy, or if you're just saying yes, because you don't want to be judged by another mother, well, that's the, that's the deeper work you have to do. You have to get down to, well, what am I afraid is going to happen? Where's the limitation for me? How am I, what kind of healing do I have to do so that I can say no next time? And, you know, that's, that's the work, right? That's the hardest work we can do is to look at ourselves and say, okay, what work do I need to do? Where's the healing for me? And I think a lot of this is also tied into this fear of what other people will think, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have, most of us have this fear of, well, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to say about me? If I say no, if I don't show up to this, if I don't agree to do this. And so, Ultimately, I think that also boils down to the question of who are we living for, right? Are we living for ourselves? And like you said, the people who matter most to us, or are we living for other people? Right. Well, I mean, not everybody has the, the catalyst that my husband and I had where we we got very, very clear on what what and who we were living for, right? When when all of this was happening in, in our lives, it was really easy for us to say no, because our daughters took priority, our family, our core family took priority, anything that didn't fit inside of that, it was a no. And I can tell you what happened when we started saying no is some people got a little offended, but those weren't the people who were supporting us. Those weren't the people who were there with us in the trenches every day. And so, okay, they got their panties ruffled a little bit, but it really didn't matter in the long run because they weren't in our inner circle. And so I think, you know, we all care what other people think. I care what people think, but I really care what the people who are closest to me think. The rest of the world, I mean, as as horrible as it sounds, it doesn't matter what they think about you. They're not in your life, so they can't have an opinion about it. Right. And like Jessica said, and I mentioned this at the beginning, she had, you know, that moment where it became very clear that things need to shift. There are many of you listening 
who might be like, I haven't had that moment. But to you, I would I would ask yourself the question, and this is a question I've asked myself, you know, when you get to the end of your life, what is going to matter the most, right? And I think you you hit it the nail on the head when you talked about intentionality and really getting intentional about what what are the things that matter the most because i think the biggest failure if you will would be to get to the end and feel like wow i focused on all of the wrong things i wasted so much time to me that would feel like the biggest failure it would absolutely and the thing i want to add to that is you don't need a big dramatic catalyst event like I had to reprioritize. You can just choose to say, you know what? I'm focusing on my family. I'm focusing on more white space. I'm focusing on me. I am reprioritizing because I can, and I'm allowed to do that. We don't need permission. You don't need anybody's permission. You don't need any dramatic event to be able to do that. You can just do it. You can just say to people, you know what? I'm not going to come to that party on Saturday night because I'm I'm focusing on my family right now. It's okay for you to say that. I'm not going to say yes to that interview because I'm just focusing on really spending time with myself and getting a, a little bit of clarity. I hope you can understand that. Anybody who doesn't, you know, accept that from you, well that's not one of your people, but you can just choose. Okay, are you sitting here listening to these episodes feeling motivated, inspired, and ready to make some moves? You've got that deep fire in your belly, that deep desire in your soul to courageously meet your edge, to create movement, to activate your next level because you know you've only touched the surface of what you're capable of. Are you ready to create the life that you've always desired, to embody the woman that you've always desired to be? Here's the thing, you know something is missing, you just can't quite put your finger on what it is. You know what you desire is possible. You're just not quite sure how to get there and what's holding you back. You've been contemplating making a move and investing in yourself in a major way, but you just haven't pulled the trigger yet. You're excited, you're anxious, and you're nervous, but you know in your gut that you're ready. In my mentorship containers, I'm able to quickly see the subconscious beliefs and patterns that have been holding you back from the things that you ultimately desire. The ones that are so deeply buried in your subconscious in your shadow that you can't see them. Together, we're going to investigate layer after layer after layer to expose all of the things hidden under the surface, creating resistance. I'm going to help you bring those things to the surface to examine them and release them. I'm going to challenge your ways of thinking, being, and doing, and I'm going to reflect back to you where you're being small, where you're dimming your light, and the things that you're hiding. And then from there, I'm going to help you connect the dots to get clear on your next level and then support you as you take those leaps. I'm going to hold you accountable as you ascend. It's going to feel exhilarating, freeing, spacious, like a breath of fresh air, and at times, scary and challenging. My one-on-one mentorship and mastermind are now enrolling, but spots are very limited. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about what these containers entail, or just shoot me a quick direct message on Instagram at Lauren underscore Francois to chat and see if we're a good fit for each other and which container makes the most sense for you. Yes, you can choose. And it's probably going to be uncomfortable at the beginning. I talk about this a lot. Like the first time we do something, it's 
really uncomfortable. But the more you do it, the better you get at it and the less uncomfortable it becomes to the point where then it just becomes, well, this is what I do. This is who I am. I say yes to the things that light me up and I say no to the things that don't. And But there is that that big level of discomfort at the beginning. And I think that's what holds a lot of women back is they don't want to feel that discomfort, right? It's just easier to say Mm -hmm. yes, because then they don't have to feel uncomfortable about saying no. Absolutely. It's not easy. It's, It's the most uncomfortable thing you'll ever do. But it really is true that the things that make us uncomfortable are often the paths we need to walk. Yes. That's where we need to live in that discomfort. So how does slow living translate into what you talk about is quiet careers, quiet business, and quiet marketing? Because a lot of the women that listen to this podcast are very career-driven, very entrepreneurial women. They own their own businesses. And I know they're thinking, okay, how do I how do I take this and apply it to my career, my business, and my marketing? Yeah. So it's, again, we bring everything back to that intention, but instead of being intentional about our personal lives, we're being intentional with our business and our marketing and our careers. So it looks like saying no to marketing tactics that feel out of alignment for you, right? Saying no to maybe, maybe you're not comfortable DMing strangers in the Instagram. Maybe you're not comfortable making videos on TikTok. Maybe you're not comfortable Um, paying for advertising, whatever the tactic or marketing practice is that is in front of you, if it doesn't feel aligned for you, say no to it. A lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in this trap of trying what they see their competitors doing. They'll they'll see somebody in their industry do something. They're like, oh, I should try that. I should see if that would work for me. Even though it doesn't exactly align with who they are, they do it anyway. And it usually flops because it wasn't aligned to who they are. So that's number one is setting boundaries around the things you're willing to do and really sticking to what is natural for you and what feels like, okay, yeah, this is a good fit. The second one is really focusing on quality over quantity. And this one's huge for entrepreneurs who are making content on social media. You know, all the gurus out there are screaming from the rooftops, post five times a day, show up on every platform. You need a blog, you need a podcast, you need YouTube, you need all these things. And my philosophy and the way I run my business and the way I teach this is you don't need any of those things. What you need is quality. You need quality education, quality content, quality information that will draw in people who are serious about what you do instead of a huge array of people who just don't care. So we focus on quality over quantity with that intentional, okay, is this going to change someone's life or am I putting this out there just to get exposure? The third is really focusing on that intentional connection with your audience or your prospect before the transaction. And again, you know, we live in a bro marketing world, right? Where where everybody is pushy, they've got these icky marketing tactics, everything is very profit centered instead of people centered. And so, you know, intentional marketing, this slow, quiet marketing really focuses on a human first approach, putting connection with people before the transaction with people. And what happens is that has a gorgeous ripple effect of client retention and more sales and more exposure because people just love who you are because you actually allowed them in and you prioritized who they are as people before the profit. 
And then lastly, you know, the quiet marketing really helps you bring awareness to, and that clarity, right? We need, it helps you find that clarity around what your audience actually wants instead of what you think they need. And this is a huge disconnect I see with entrepreneurs and businesses online is that they're selling what they think someone needs, but it's not actually what the client wants. And so I always teach and my, my clients get sick of me saying this, but I always come back to what does your audience think the problem is? What do they think they need? Whatever they think the problem is, is what you need to sell them. Yes, you might do something deeper, but the hook and the entrance into your business is with that intentional, okay, here's what you think the problem is, and here's how I can help you solve that problem. And the reason all of this works, all of this quiet marketing works, is because it's very targeted, it's very authentic, it's super focused on a human-to-human connection, and you know, most entrepreneurs out there are just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks, and there's no clarity, there's no plan, they're just chasing squirrels, and it's not leading them down any intentional path. And it's certainly not getting them to the path of least resistance from where they are to where they want to be. So this ties into what I recently talked about, which was aligned strategy and that there's a million ways to build a business, right? You're talking about, you know, finding your way and not shooting yourself and not doing things simply because you think you should, or because someone else said you should do it this way, not really falling into that trap of instant gratification and comparison. You talked about how a lot of your clients scroll on social media and they say, you know, they're doing marketing research and they're looking at what other people are doing. That really, to me, indicates a lack of a vision, a lack of a plan for yourself based on what your goals are, what your priorities are, and what your strengths are, and maybe a a lack of belief in yourself that what you're going to do is going to work for you. And so we get caught up in this overdoing, right? Like just doing, 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 doing more, doing more, doing more, and not really executing and being intentional with what we're doing. And I'm so glad you brought up quality versus quantity, because I think with slow living and obviously with quiet marketing, this is a theme. It's it's actually something I talked to one of my current clients about the other day with regards to even our children. I was like, it's not necessarily about the quantity of time. It's about the quality of time, because there's a lot of parents who spend a lot of time with their kids, but they're not actually present with their kids. And so I think this can permeate pretty much everything. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's so anti what we're hearing, right? Like it's, it goes against every piece of business advice you see out there is the quality because people get stuck on the algorithm. They get stuck on like, oh, I need to grease the algorithm. I need to nurture this, this artificial intelligence kind of thing. And What they don't realize is what you said at the very, very beginning of this is people are always watching. And if you don't have quality content out there, those people who are always watching will never convert. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. Okay. So quiet marketing actually works. And you said this at the very beginning, you said slowing down to speed up. So I know when I first kind of dove into this topic, there was a fear 
of, well, if I slow down, then it's going to take longer to achieve the things I desire to achieve. And I know that some of you listening are thinking the exact same thing. You're like, if I slow down, then I'm not, I'm never going to get there. I'm not going to get there when I want to get there. So can we dive into this, how slowing down allows you to actually speed up? Yeah. So people assume that slowing down means less time or means more time. Like they they think of slowing down from a time perspective. If I slow down right now, I'm going to get there in three months. But if I slow down, I'm going to get there in nine months. And that is not at all what we mean. When I say slowing down, I mean stopping to be intentional about every step you take. Typically, when we pause wherever we're at in our business and we look at things from that intentional, on-purpose, deliberate perspective, it speeds up the path. So, you know, an example, I have a client, her name's Fiona. She's an interior decorator and she was rat racing all over the place. She was showing up everywhere. She was doing all the things and we pulled it back and we just took a week and we, for a week, we strategized, we planned, we slowed down, we got clear, we found that intention. And then the next week she had an actual plan and that plan sped up her path by months. So when I say slowing down, I don't mean more time. I mean, slowing down into the space of intention and then not taking action unless you know why you're taking that action and where it's going to lead you. So it's really eliminating a lot of the things that aren't doing you any good in the first place. Exactly. It's uncluttered marketing. So it's, it's that path of least resistance. And every single entrepreneur on the planet has a different path of least resistance. Yours is different than mine. It's different than Fiona's. So you have to slow down, right? Take a pause, just take a beat and think about, okay, what's my path of least resistance? Where am I at? Where do I want to be? What's the fastest way to get there? And anything that doesn't fit on that path, you don't do. And so for a lot of entrepreneurs, believe it or not, social media does not fit into that path of least resistance. Even though they think it should, it doesn't. There are faster ways to get where you're going to be without social media, without having a heavy social media presence. And that shocks a lot of people because everyone out there is saying, oh my gosh, I need to post on social every single day. And from my perspective, the fastest way to to make revenue as an entrepreneur is honestly, without social media. Are you guys just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is just, it's so refreshing to listen to. And when you talk about slowing down to actually speed up, one thing that came to my mind is hustle and burnout, right? Like what usually happens when we're in this rat race is we think, oh, if I just do more, I'm going to speed up the process of getting to where I want. But usually what happens is we get ourselves into a place that we can't maintain. And then what happens is we burn out and we end up saying, oh, I need to take a step back. And then we're actually making the process slower. So unintentionally thinking we need to do more can actually slow down the process because then we get into this stop and start, stop and start, stop and start because we can't maintain the pace that we're going. And so when we slow down, we actually create a pace that we can maintain and a lifestyle that feels 
good to us. And when we feel good and we're excited about what we're doing and we don't feel burnt out, we show up differently too, right? So it all adds up and creates this incredible momentum that just is so sustainable and just propels you forward. Right, right. And it's so like you're touching on the energy a little bit. There is such an energetic difference between somebody who's marketing their business and working their business from a place of I'm desperate for sales. I just need this to work versus somebody who's working their business and marketing their business from a place of this is so much fun. I'm changing lives. I'm helping people. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. That feels different to your prospect than the desperation. And so this is something that is very woo. And I don't know if your audience is into the woo, but like it's energetically the way you show up up online and the way you show up in your emails and your blogs and your podcast interviews or whatever, it feels energetically one way to your prospect. And so this is where that intention comes in, intentionally asking yourself before you do anything, how is my prospect going to feel when I say this? And so one of the quiet, one of the pieces of quiet marketing is really thinking about what you're doing from the eyes of the person who's receiving it. And being intentional about how it's going to be received and intentional about how they're going to feel when you say this. A lot of times we see shame marketing right now. And shame marketing is my, it's my biggest pet peeve in the online space. You'll see somebody make a post like, um, oh, you know, you, you're looking at this on a thousand dollar iPhone, but you can't invest $97 to change your body. That is shame marketing. And it's making the person reading that feel really bad about themselves. And so part of the quiet marketing strategy and the method is really thinking about this from the perspective of the other side. How is it received? And how am I feeling when I'm putting it out there? I love that you brought in the woo. We talk about that stuff here. We talk a lot about energy and our state of being and our mindset. And if you guys haven't tuned into that, I would highly recommend you start noticing that when you're watching people's social media, and this is a skill you can develop, you'll get better at it over time, but you can pick up on their energy. And I have said this to many of my clients, I'll watch their social media and then I'll talk to them and I'll be like, I could tell that this and this and this was going on. And I didn't know it was going on until you just told me, but you can feel it. So it's not just the words you're saying. Everything is energy. So the energy that you're in when you do something is ingrained in that thing. And other people can pick up on that. That's basically what you're talking about, right? (laughs) Exactly. So it's like um, like when you have somebody... You have this audience, just say you're a super high vibe business and you're putting yourself out there in this really energetically aligned way. You will have people say, I just love you, but I don't know why they cannot pinpoint why they love your content. They cannot pinpoint why you just make them feel good. You just do. And it's because the energy coming from your content and what you do feels really comfortable for them. It feels like home to them and it just lifts them up. But pay attention because there are some content creators that I I watch their content and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's not making any money. You can just tell because they're desperate for sales. Their their energy is low. There's no zing in what they're doing and they don't feel good to me. And so, and we, we all do that. Everyone, every single one of us has an energy that we put out there. And so you gotta pay attention to what you're what you're slinging. 
who you are being when you do something matters just as much as what you do. It really does, you guys. It's who you are being when you do it. And so I love that you brought this in to really pay attention to who are you being. And there's so many, so many ways we could sidetrack on that, but I won't go down that rabbit hole. So if someone's listening and they're like, okay, this sounds incredible to me. I want to start slow living. I want to start incorporating quiet marketing. I really want to get into this. What advice would you give her? Where should where should she begin? Yeah, so the the first process to slow living and 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 I think slow living is where you begin before you can become a quiet marketer. You have to learn how to slow down your life before you can slow down your business. Because when you have a slow life, it makes space for a slow business. And so the the first steps are really setting those intentions and getting clear on, okay, what do I want? Who am I being? Is As you said, who do I want to become? And what changes do I need to make in that? And it really does boil down to embracing that white space, starting to set time boundaries, starting to set phone boundaries with yourself. Start there. And when you start there, it's it becomes this beautiful ripple effect because it creates time for you to think. And when you create time to think, you end up having the most intuitive hits. And those intuitive hits, when you get them, follow them and let them lead you down the rabbit hole. That is where you begin. So uh, with regards to those intuitive hits, would you say that your intuitive hits are logical most of the time and make sense? Or would you say that a lot of the times you can't really figure out how they're all working together, but in hindsight, it all makes sense? Yeah. I, very rarely do they make sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, they never make sense in the beginning. They make sense in the end, but when they come, you just sort of write them down. And you, um, whenever I have like a I hear something in my head or I'll like wake up um, in the morning when you first wake up and you're just sort of in that dreamy state and you have those thoughts that come to you in that dreamy state, write them down, just write them down because they don't make any sense in that dream state. But later on, you're going to be like, what did I write down? Oh, I needed that information now. And they make sense later. So I always have a notebook with me whenever I have like a random thought that doesn't make sense. I just write it down. That's actually where the name quiet marketing came from. Um, it, it came from an intuitive hit that I had when I first woke up in the morning. I woke up and I thought quiet marketing. And I, it was before I I integrated the slow living and the marketing together. And I, I heard quiet marketing when I woke up. So I wrote it down in my journal like two years ago. And and then I, I needed it last year when I pivoted into quiet marketing. So it just, it was given to me long before I needed it. Oh, so that was a loaded question because I know that uh, I used to be very in my head and very logical and everything was based in logic. And I know a lot of the women listening are probably very much in that place as well of this like, but it doesn't make logical sense. I don't know why I'm supposed to do that. And they're, they're really tied up into the how and having, you know, all the steps laid out. And so I wanted to hear your take on that because 
part of, I think the work too, is not needing to know what the path is going to be and slowing down to just take one step at a time and knowing that a lot of the things really aren't logical. Your gut and your intuition and your logic are completely different things. And so a lot of time we do get too tied up in our heads. And mm-hmm. and I love that mm-hmm. quiet marketing came to you two years ago because the other thing that I see happen a lot is we just put so much time pressure on things. Like I need to have the name now. I need to have it now. I need to have it now. I need to have it now. And that kind of pre- pressure creates a lot of resistance to your gut intuition, to inspiration, to creativity. So taking that pressure off as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's really important to remember that we are so like a lot of entrepreneurs, especially they leave corporate America, they leave their job, and then they become an entrepreneur and they think that they have to work eight or nine hour days. And so one of the things I tell everyone in my world is I never recommend working more than four hours a day. And that sounds crazy to so many people, but it's because when you go beyond that, you're just working to work and you're creating more resistance and you're creating more barriers. But if you stop after, like we all hit that wall at some point in our work day where we just, we work and we're inspired and we're getting things done. And then we hit the wall and we're like, okay, what do I need to do now? Whenever you hit that, what do I need to do now wall? I always recommend stopping for the day so that you don't create more resistance and you don't create more cloudiness and muddiness between you and your intuition. And that is something that scares a lot of people because we're so used to working nine hour days, but it's really not productive. And that right there is going to give you the space that Jessica is talking about. And I feel like that's like a hallelujah moment and a perfect place to end, like four-hour workdays. Ladies who are listening, four-hour workdays, does that sound good to you? Because I know that sounds incredible to me. If I, and I usually, I only work three days a week. So my kids are younger. My daughter is still home with me two days. So I tend to work a little bit more than four hours on those three days, but I would say it's usually no more than five. Um, And look, with we live in the most incredible time, really. Like you can build a six-figure, a multi-six-figure, seven-figure business even working like that. It is possible. There is proof out there. There is so much proof out there that that is possible. I think that's just such a perfect place to wrap this up. (laughs) I love it. So Jessica, for all the women listening, where can they find you? How can they connect with you? Because I know they're going to want to connect with you. This is this conversation is so in alignment with everything that I talk about. And I know, you know, a lot of the women listening are moms. And so presence and time with their kids is something that's very important to them, but they also want that successful career. So how can they find you? Yes. So two ways. Well, so Instagram, I'm quiet marketing co on Instagram. You can always come over there. I do not use it every day. You will see it's quality versus quantity, but you can definitely send me a message on Instagram. And then I believe we have a free guide. We created a free guide. It's the entrepreneur's guide to slow living. That'll get you guys started and give you a little more tips than we shared today. And yeah, those two things dive into the slow living and start with those early steps. And when you do send me a message and let me know how it's going, because I love hearing 
sharing the transformation stories. Wonderful. I will be sure to include both of those things in the show notes, you guys. So all you have to do is scroll down. They'll be right there for you. Jessica, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. This conversation has been such a breath of fresh air. And I know that I'm excited to implement some of the things that you talked about. And I know my audience, the ladies, those of you listening, I know that this resonated so deeply with you. And I'm just so grateful that I found you and that you were able to come on. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I thank you so much for stalking me and <laughs> finding me. And that was, <laughs> this has been really, really fun. And I, I, I can't wait to listen to more. This is, this is awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much for being here with us today. And I will talk to you at our next episode. Okay, you wealthy woman, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, share this with your friends, and leave me a review. Leaving a review is so simple, but I didn't know how to do it at the beginning either, so I'm going to walk you through it. All you have to do is whatever app you're listening to this podcast on, find this show, The Wealthy Woman, scroll down, you'll see stars, and with those stars, you can leave me a rating and review. I love you so much for taking the time to do this. In all honesty, the reviews are what help the podcast get into the hands of other women desiring to create true wealth and manifest their dream lives. Okay, I'll let you get back to your day. See you next time.